The passage of Scripture appointed for the epistle is taken from Acts chapter 10, beginning to read at verse 34. Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Here ends the reading. The Gospel reading is St. John, chapter 15, beginning at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Let's pause and pray together, shall we? Gracious God, Holy Trinity, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, by your Spirit, speak to our hearts, for we would see Jesus. If we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. The Jews of Jesus' day look back to a pivotal moment. It was one of the key moments in their history. They'd been standing in the plains of Moab. They'd wandered through the wilderness, and here they were. They'd come to the plains of Moab, and they were listening to the words of Moses. They were on the edge of the promised land. They were ready to enter. Today, this very day, they had become God's people. Today, this very day, they had entered a new covenant. And Moses spoke with them. And as he spoke with them, he spoke about God's love for them. He spoke about their need to love God. And the way they were going to do that was by obeying his commands. So back then in history, Moses speaking. And Moses was about to die. Do you notice the parallels when we had our gospel reading? Do you notice the connections? Here Jesus remarkably, only 12 people around him, picks up precisely the same language. He speaks about God's love for them. He speaks about their need to love God. And how are they going to do that? By obeying him. As he prepares to die, there's a sense in which this day, this tiny group of people become God's new people. Today is a new covenant day there in this little tucked away upper room in Jerusalem. Extraordinary moment, redefining history. But what is even more extraordinary is back then Moses drew attention to God's commands. But Jesus focuses everything around himself. Did you notice that? It's my love, not God's. It's my commands, not God's. So just like Moses is about to die, but now the attention, the focus is redefined around himself. And he sums up the commands with one basic command. Do you remember what it was? Do you notice what it was? They're going to linger here this morning. It was love one another. Well, you might say, James, well, I kind of heard that before, love one another. So we're going to linger here. But actually, this extraordinary passage takes us into very sacred territory, as we're going to see as we go. Briefly, three points to note about this love that Jesus talks about. The first two are a bit more about the why, and the second, third is about the how. But don't worry too much about that. So here's our first thing to notice. It's the way to stay. It's the way of remaining in Jesus' love. So he says, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. And then verse 12, and this is my command that you love one another. Now notice Jesus' love here is not something fickle or fleeting. 
to talk about language of staying in someone's love. It might sound like it's fickle or fleeting, but it's not that. This is the same love that has existed between the Father and the Son from eternity. You're getting a little window into the life of God himself. If you notice that in verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Notice too, this, this love is not something demeaning or unworthy, a kind of grudging response. How so? Because this is none other than how Jesus responds to the Father. Now remain in my love, as he says, verse 9, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Notice also, it isn't some kind of way of earning Jesus' love, remain in my love, a way of kind of meriting or deserving or earning it. Jesus did not have to earn or somehow um, God's love. He already had his Father's love. It was a way of staying, a way of remaining in it. So that's the first thing, is the way to stay. Here's our second one. It's the way to joy. You pick that up from verse 11. I've told you this, says Jesus, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The way to joy. The way of obedience is the way to joy. The way of love is the way to joy. It's not our culture, is it? Our culture, obedience cramps my style. It limits my freedom. It hinders my happiness. It's somehow demeaning to be told to obey. Something that you grow out of and you reluctantly do with the speed limit or whatever it might be. But he says the way of obedience is the way to joy. And the amazing thing is, Again, did you notice this is a window into sacred space? Because Jesus says, this is again um, in verse uh, 11, my joy may be in you. What does my joy mean? Jesus has joy in obeying his Father. And he says, do you know what? You can share that. If you come to obey me, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. An extraordinary thought. We're getting a window into sacred space and we can share that. The Christian life is about joy. We all want joy, don't we? But the amazing thing is, and the striking thing is, there is a root to it. It comes in and through obedience. So often, as Christians, we forfeit our joy. And one of the reasons we do so, sadly, is because we've given up obeying. Love one another. Why? It's the way to stay in Jesus' love, and it's the way to joy. But our third thing, if it's the way to stay and the way to joy, thinking a bit about how, what does it mean? How am I supposed to do this? Well, let's be clear, first of all, when he says love one another, he is talking about a love within the Christian community. 
love one another. He's talking to his disciples here. And you might say, well, that doesn't sound that honourable. It sounds rather exclusive. Isn't love beyond that? I mean, love your enemies better than just loving one another? Should we restrict our love to that? Well, of course not. Of course not. But if we don't have love for our family, where we should surely start, is that not a problem for love for everyone else? If we can't and won't love those nearest and dearest to us, then what about beyond? So we return to the question then, what does love look like? Again, our culture is confused by many definitions. Donald Hay had rather longer than I have this morning to talk about it, so do listen to his sermon last week. But again, we're into sacred space. What does this love look like? Love one another as I have loved you. If you want to know what this love is like, again, we are back to Jesus and how he's loved us. How has he done that? To lay down his life for his friends. The ultimate self-sacrifice. And again, you may say, well, James, it's not about laying down your life for your friends. I thought it was laying down your life for your enemies. That was the real love. Yes, but Jesus is already talking about relationship between friends. If you're a friend of somebody, what's the greatest way you can show your love to that person is to lay down your life. The love between Christians is to be as strong as death. It's costly love. It's demanding love. It's way to stay love. It's way to joy love. It's self-sacrificial love. I've been wrestling, I have to say this week, well, okay, so what does it mean in practice? What does it mean to look like? What does it look like? And I have to say, I found this call rather uncomfortable because I'm so conscious of my many failings. But it's also inspiring because I'm taken to this sacred space. Somehow, this is the way Jesus loves this is about a window into the life of the Father to the Son as we experience that same kind of love, that same kind of joy. So let's bring it down to earth. Think about someone you know who's a Christian friend, a Christian person that you know. I'm trying to think the same. Is my heart one of self-sacrificial love, willing to put myself out for the other? I've thought that, isn't it? I kind of want to put limits around. And it seems so impractical. And yet there is something here profoundly demanding and inspiring. But the amazing thing is, as we've seen, it's the way to stay, it's the way to joy, and it's the way of self-sacrifice. Shall we pray? Gracious God, these are humbling words, these are challenging words, they're demanding words, as well as being familiar ones. But they're also sacred words, they take us to sacred space, they take us to the relationship between you, Lord Jesus, and your Heavenly Father. Take us to your actions, your heart, your joy. And as you've given us a window 
today. Inspire us, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.